0: You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hey there, Orioles fans. Welcome in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and today it is our second edition of Crossover Wednesdays here on the Locked On Podcast Network, as we are crossing over with each AL East host. Now, a couple weeks ago, we had Gabrielle Starr on from Locked on Red Sox. Today, we have the defending AL East champions that we will be previewing. Ulysses Zambrano is back on the podcast. He is the co-host of Locked on Rays here on the Locked on Podcast Network. And we're going to get right to it with him because we've got a lot to cover with the Orioles and and the Rays, but especially the team that just got off a World Series appearance. And we want to learn a lot more about them. So first of all, Ulysses, uh, Good to do a uh, little crossover pod here. Is uh, I said it right before we started recording, but I'm thinking we're going to be talking about the first and last place teams in the division this year.
0: Maybe, maybe that that's actually how it'll turn up. But first, thank you for having me again and doing this crossover because uh, we did it during quarantine in 2020. And that was fun. But uh, I think this year we're going to see just a little bit more baseball. So I think everybody should be a little bit happy about that.
1: Yeah, if you thought we had good content previewing, you know, 60 games when we have 162 games to preview, uh, we got a lot of stuff. But uh, we're going to start with looking at the Rays, And, you know, obviously this is a team that across baseball, more people are going to be interested in the Rays than the Orioles because they just came two wins away from potentially winning what, you know, would have been their first World Series. But they came up a little short and, you know, it's been an interesting offseason. Because the story of the World Series, Blake Snell leaving the game early, he was now traded and Charlie Morton is no longer there. And so my first question has to be, it looks like to me, and I'm sure you would agree that Tyler Glass now has now kind of filled in as the number one guy for the Rays. And I think most people know that. So the question is, behind Glass now, how do they try and replace the production of a Blake Snell
0: and a Charlie Morton in that starting rotation? I think the most important way to attack that question is to say that no two guys will be Blake Snell and Charlie Morton. So what the Rays are trying to do is get a group of guys to combine all of their skills and then their production will equal that of Blake Snell and Charlie Morton, because let's look at their additions to the rotation. Uh, Chris Archer, uh, Michael Walker, uh, Rich Hill, Colin McHugh. I mean, those are guys that have been um, effective in their careers, but they kind of could be coming back from injury or from, um, you know, very bad seasons from, from their career year. So I, what they're trying to do is kind of get seven, eight, nine guys deep. Honestly, if you look at their minor league system, it's just filled with arms. So if these guys can provide 80 to 100 innings, uh, then you can see, uh, how the rotation can get filled up, but it apparently will start with those big names. Those guys that have the the resume in Archer, Waka, Hill, obviously Yarbrough will, will be slot in there as probably the number two behind glass now. And, and that's how you start the season with those veteran guys. And then through the summer, I think we'll see some influx because of injury, because of effectiveness from uh, the alternate side or if AAA ever starts then we'll see some guys from AAA but I think that's how it'll start first with the veteran uh, guys they got
1: it's so interesting how you know to replace two guys they essentially you know put together you know if you add in the guys who are already in the system kind of getting some starts almost like eight or nine names that you could see you know behind as you said Yarborough you know will be the number two but it's gonna be so interesting because there's You know, I think when some people saw the trade, they were like, "Oh, we're going to get to see some of these exciting young pitchers more." But the Rays said, "Hold on, we're going to bring in some vets too and uh, (laughs) give some some competition." So it definitely uh, will be interesting. But you know, I want to turn to the hitters because nothing is more interesting than how the Rays are able to get seemingly thirty-five players uh, into the lineup every single day. Uh, It 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 is a masterpiece by Kevin Cash, and the the way he can put together a lineup on a day-to-day basis is one of the big reasons why the Rays were able to get to the World Series. Now, I know they made some more minor moves than with their pitching staff uh, this offseason with the hitters. But, you know, I want to start in the outfield with the Rays. And I want to ask you the question first before we get to more big picture stuff. As someone who covers this team, do you think Randy Orozarena can live up to what we saw in the postseason and be an everyday, good, potentially all-star level major league player?
0: If he is the same guy from 2020 you extrapolate all of his numbers and he becomes a 64 bomb a year guy so no I don't think he Randy Rosarena is going to be a 64 bomb guy because what he did in 2020 I know a lot of people started getting to know Randy Rosarena uh, during the playoffs obviously Who, how could you miss that but in the regular season he was doing pretty much that Pretty much that. I mean, just a dynamic player in the AL East. Obviously, the the Orioles were able to to see uh, him in the regular season. But all of baseball got to see this guy in the playoffs just explode. So, no, I don't think quite as much as the playoffs, but he is a solid, solid player who is... Just dynamic on all fronts uh, defensively. He can run the, the bases pretty well. I think if there were any doubts about his uh, running abilities on the base paths, those were squashed. By game four's ridiculous ending and the back and forth that happened and just the quickness in his mind and the ability to get up after tumbling. So he is going to be a very exciting player um, for years to come. And the Rays get this guy with so much time under team control. That's that's the crazy. That's the raise way, right? Get really prime guys who are ready to explode. And you're still paying them $560,000 and not a penny more. So that's how you build that success. And so I think he will be definitely um, in, in in the heart of the order. I I think raise fans should prepare themselves for not uh career type numbers every time he steps out the box. But I think he's going to be definitely top three in production for, for the race this year. Yeah, it's funny because like he doesn't have to live up to what he
1: did in the playoffs to still be a good player. Like that's how <laughs> exactly. good he was that <laughs> yeah. you know nobody's going to live up to that. But he could still yeah. be he could still be an all-star and not live yeah. up to what he did in the postseason. That's how good he was. But you know, kind of last you know big picture thing, you you know, we talked about Randy and, and you look at the hitters and You know, pretty much across the board, the guys who are going to be starting for this team as batters is mostly the same as the team that went to the World Series. I know Hunter Renfro has has moved on. He's with the Red Sox. And, you know, I know more of a minor piece like Nate Lowe is not there anymore. I know he was kind of up and down last season, but, you know, they're kind of running it back with, you know, this this mix and match infield that they do so well with and the outfield. So I did want to ask about the infield uh, before we kind of switch things over to the Orioles gears because you know you've you've got you know my favorite player Brandon Lau you've got you know Brasso the hero of of the ALCS you know you've got Adamas who was kind of the emotional leader of that team when the time comes for Wanda Franco to come up to this team how first of all will that happen in 2021 and how will that shuffle things in this infield
0: That's a really interesting question because I think Brandon Lau could come into play there. He's actually playing third base during spring training. So they're even giving him another look there and Brasso who's never played short, he's playing short during spring training. So the infield is just in flux. I mean, every guy has seven different gloves in his in his locker room so it's you're going to see the infield move a lot maybe Adamas is the guy that definitely won't move from shortstop but you're going to see Brendan Lau might even cover the the a corner outfield spot if needed first base he's done it in the past they're trying Yoshi Tsutsugo and and first base as a lefty option because G Choi just went down um so the infield except for Adamas you're going to see a lot of uh change now Wonder Franco, how he can change this. I'm in the camp that uh, and, and Kevin is too the, the, the other co-host from the Locked on Race podcast. Uh, that Wander at best is a late summer edition, like after Super Two, for sure. <laughs> after Super Two, the Rays are not gonna take take uh, take that chance. And but if I have to put money on it, I think September call up um because I I think that why would you rush this guy there's I mean there's there's no need and if 2021 turns out to be a transition year which is what Eric Neander the GM of the Rays actually said uh, during the offseason well transition year why are you wasting a year on on the talent of Wander Franco when maybe next year you could really make a push and having him start on the opening day I mean, maybe even Willie Adamas could be moved. Uh, could be traded in the offseason. And then you give the keys to shortstop to the number one prospect in all of baseball. You could do that. But as far as 2021, I don't think Franco's going to be- make a big splash until maybe August or September.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a similar thing, you know, with Adley Rutschman, these two teams have the top two prospects in baseball. And it's kind of like yeah. the outside voices saying, when's he coming, when's he coming? And most people on each side saying, you know, It might happen late in 2021, but, you know, just wait one more year and and you'll get the full full force of uh, Franco. But, you know, that's the other thing with the Rays. You know, there's no real push to bring him up. I know he's going to be a great player, but they've got some really good infielders that you just talked about already filling that space. So we will kind of flip gears uh, to the Orioles in a second. But first, we got to tell you about Built Bar. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. It's the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. And now's the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is a good one. It is peanut butter versus coconut puff. And so, Ulysses, I got to ask you, you know, I, I would take peanut butter in that vote. I'm a big peanut butter guy, but who would you take between peanut butter and coconut puff?
0: Um, I'm going to have to side with the Oriole here. I'm I'm going peanut butter all the way. Yeah. Peanut butter, a a great flavor of Built Bar.
1: You can go to builtbar.com or to at bar underscore built on Twitter to cast your vote for your favorite Built Bar. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become what a big title it would be the best tasting protein bar. And before we get to the Orioles, got to tell you about another podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're covering everything you need to know here about the Rays and the Orioles, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Okay, now it's your turn, Connor, to be on the hot seat, uh, representing the orange and black. Uh, So let's start with uh, the pitching. Um, I know that it's definitely going to look different this year. Uh, My boy, Cobber, is no longer with the team. But there were some additions uh, throughout this offseason. Of course, Matt Harvey, Felix Hernandez. You got young guys like Jorge Lopez, who... I actually saw uh, uh, him today against the Rays and he dazzled and apparently he's been doing pretty well during spring training. So have the Orioles set up their 2021 rotation yet under John uh, means I'm guessing he obviously will be the opening day starter. And how do you think they're going to hold up? Is, is the effectiveness there for that rotation?
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting because you're right on the money. John means has proven himself to be once again, you know, the opening day starter. Oh, well. He was supposed to be the opening day starter last year before an injury kind of pushed him back. But, you know, unless that happens again, he will finally start on opening day this year. You know, behind him, uh, it looks like Dean Kramer, who came up and and made five starts last year, had a pretty good season. He's pitching well again in camp. He should be the number two guy. You know, and then, you know, there's all these guys who are pitching, you know, at different levels of success who are kind of on the bubble. I'll start with with the younger guys. You mentioned Jorge Lopez. He was a guy who came into camp where it was basically like, he's going to be on this roster, but we really need to figure out in what role. Is he going to be some sort of reliever, a long reliever, a swing man, or will he get a starting spot? But you mentioned, you know, he was on TV against the Rays uh, on Tuesday. He was really good. Three three scoreless innings, five strikeouts. He, uh, he's really gotten better and better looking at his changeup. Uh, got a really good strikeout with mm-hmm. his changeup to kind of end his day on Tuesday. He's a guy who I think is pushing himself into the rotation. Another young guy is Keegan Aiken, who a lot of people just kind of slotted into the rotation, but he's really, really struggled so far in this spring training with his command, so he's kind of a question mark. And then another young guy is Bruce Zimmerman, who only made two appearances last year, um, although one of them did come against the Rays. He made his first career appearance to start against the Rays in a double header. Got hit around a little bit, uh, but, but he's been amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's been amazing in this spring training, nine scoreless innings for Bruce Zimmerman in spring training so far uh, with, you know, double digit strikeouts, just one hit allowed. And so he's basically showing, you know, this is my job to lose and and I'm going to win it. Now the veteran guys are super interesting, right? When a team goes out at this point and signs Matt Harvey and Felix Hernandez, it's going to get people talking. And that's what happened. And good on the Orioles, even if those two guys don't work out. It got people talking about the Orioles this off season. <laughs> and frankly, you know, I see people like on the Twitter timeline sometimes that like kind of get excited when it's Felix Hernandez's turn to pitch. And like the Orioles are on, you know, MLB TV somewhere, it gets people yeah. to actually watch them, which is nice. And yeah. so, you know, Felix started that game against the Rays today and, and threw a one, two, three inning with two strikeouts. Then he left the game with some elbow soreness. And so, you know, his velocity was already down. He's kind of turning into a different pitcher, throwing a lot more change-ups, uh, so we'll see, you know, we have no information besides elbow discomfort. Hopefully, you know, he's out for a week, comes back and it's good to go. But at this point, if he's not injured, I'd put him in that rotation too. And then Matt Harvey's the big question mark because Matt Harvey, you know, it didn't look great early in spring training. He hasn't looked great for three you know, plus years now, but all of a sudden right. yesterday, the game wasn't on TV anywhere. We got a snippet of video. He's throwing 96 with like plus plus movement on his fastball. And everyone's like, "What? where did this come from? And then he's throwing like a huge hammer breaking ball. And so it was only two pitches. We got video of two pitches, (laughs) a really good fastball at 96, and a really good curveball for a strikeout swing and miss. And so it's got everyone excited and talking. Uh, But I would say Means, Kramer definitely in there. And then, you know, Lopez probably, Aiken probably, and Felix probably. And then I would say there's a six spot up for grabs. And a guy like Zimmerman, a guy like Matt Harvey, even Wade LeBlanc uh, kind of fighting for that maybe final spot.
0: You know, that's interesting that, you know, there's definitely uh, a vacancy uh, of spots there in the rotation, but there are also a lot of options from what you're saying. So going from 60 games to 162 games, at least the Rays are trying to do this, which is curtail maybe the the possibility of injuries. You can't ask a guy to throw 50 innings in one year. And then the next year, okay, you're in for 180, right champ. You know, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. So do you see that the, the Orioles are trying to maybe do that with the rotation and kind of like, okay, well, Felix, can you give us 60? And that's what we need. Uh, Harvey give us 60 and then young bucks. What do you got?
1: Yeah. It's really interesting because they almost made those signings. You know, it was, it was Harvey, Felix, and then Wade LeBlanc, obviously to a lesser extent, you know, he's a veteran, but you know, has never had the, the career that those other two guys have, but he's been in the majors for a while. Those three guys were kind of signed, you know, obviously as low risk minor league deals, but it's also signing them to, as long as they aren't absolutely horrendously bad. I think there's a chance that all three of them start the year in the starting rotation. And basically the point is these veteran guys have been around the block. They know how to pitch. We put them out there in the starting rotation for the first couple of months we let our younger guys stew in the bullpen or at the alternate site or at AAA when that starts, and then we can start to ease them in, and somehow it staggers the whole way where you have enough young pitchers with the veterans so that guys you know, don't get overtaxed, like you said, going from 60 to 162.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly, I think both clubs are going to have to try to do something to mitigate those injuries. And that could be a good way, start with the veterans, then push uh, the youngest in the summer. So let's let's move on to the offensive side of the ball game. Um, I, I feel like the offensive side of the Orioles is not really an issue, at least not a, a big one, um, because you have the, re- the, the return of the 2021 AL comeback player of the year in Trey Mancini uh which is obviously a welcome one not only for Orioles fan but really for any MLB fan that's awesome to see how has he looked in spring is the power back it does he does he smile what what's the feeling of getting Trayman Sidney back in, in 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 the ball club
1: yeah it's been great you know he hasn't homered yet uh but you know he hasn't been in, in the lineup every day obviously uh he did get a hit in his first at-bat of spring training which was very cool to see um and you know, it, it, his his performance, unless it was really, really bad where they had to take a step back, you know, it really doesn't matter. He, he's the best, you know, when he's healthy and he's good to go, he's the best hitter on this Orioles team. And so we know he's going to be in the lineup, probably hitting second or third, playing first base on opening day. Um, and, and it's just been so nice, you know, to see him out there. And I can't wait. You know, April 8th is the home opener. The Orioles roll out the orange carpet uh at camden yards and to see him run down the orange carpet is just going to be an incredible moment and you know whatever he does obviously you know if he got up there in the first inning and hit a home run to start the season like you know there wouldn't be anything cooler than that but just him being on the field is going to be cool enough this season
0: I think you just said that, and I know it's imaginary right now, but like I got goosebumps and uh, tears in my eyes. That would be just a a lovely thing to see for all of MLB fans to kind of see Trey Mancini succeed in 2021. Now, besides Mancini, though, we've got a whole list of characters from the Orioles. I mean, Freddie Galvis joined the team. uh, Sanchez uh, joined the team uh, playing second base. I saw him against the Rays. Michael Franco, I believe, signed a few days ago. But there are also returning uh, players like Cedric Mullins, who I've always thought is a really dynamic player. Can, it, can you tell me how the rest of the lineup uh, works? I mean, is every starting job out there for competition except for Trey Mancini's? I would say
1: after today, which is when that Michael Franco uh, deal got finalized, that things are looking a little more clear. So, you know, catcher is kind of split Severino and Cisco, like they've been doing as they wait for Adley Rutschman to come up. But, you know, now you've got uh, Michael Franco at third base, Freddie Galvis at short and Yomer Sanchez at second, which is really interesting because when you put Trey Mancini at first, technically you have four new infielders that were not in your starting lineup last year, you know, three that they brought in and obviously getting Trey back. And then you look at the outfield Ryan Mountcastle who came up and had that great, you know, half rookie season last year, he'll be in left, uh, Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullins are kind of kind of split time in center with the other one, you know, moving around different places in the outfield. And then Anthony Santander who really had his breakout season last year will be in right. And uh, you know, at DH, you'll see a lot of DJ Stewart as well. Um, And, you know, hopefully no Chris Davis. Um, But, you know, at the beginning of camp, it was kind of like, we have all these guys here who's going to step up. Yeah. And now as you know, Guys have separated themselves. They've signed Franco, signed Galvis. They have veterans. Guys are healthy. We're at the point now where I almost feel like I could set the opening day lineup right now and feel extremely confident that that I would kind of know at this point who's going to be out there, you know, at Fenway Park on April first.
0: Wow that 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 has, that actually surprises me because I I see this roster and it just looks all you know a lot of names you recognize but um like you said it could be a whole new infield for the Orioles and I think that's kind of exciting it it, it does do you feel excitement looking to this twenty twenty one season because if we look at what the Orioles did for forty percent of the 2020 season, I think 29 teams were like astounded. Maybe even 30 teams were astounded what was going on for 40% of the season. Then obviously it kind of slowed down, but does that success in 2020, does it carry over or it doesn't really matter because there's a lot of new names in 2021?
1: Yeah. The hope is it carries over. I mean, obviously there's the new names in the infield and the guys like Hernandez and Harvey, but, you know, the, the rest of the core of the team, you know, the whole bullpen is pretty much the same guys. You know, the top part of the starting rotation is the same. And, and you know, most of your hitters, you know, your whole outfield, your catching situation, you know, is still the same as well. And you hope it, it rolls over. I mean, most people would look at 25 and 35 and say, how do you get momentum out of that? But when people at the beginning of last season were saying, will the Orioles win 10 games and then they win 25, you know, you, you feel pretty good about it. And, yeah. you know, they had some some pretty cool moments last year and kind of a, a ragtag bunch of guys. And the other part of excitement is, you know, the Orioles added six players, six prospects to their 40 man roster this offseason to protect them from the rule five draft, you know, and that's really been the first time since this rebuild started really the first time in a while that that, you know, big, a lump of prospects, the Orioles have said, we have this many guys who are, you know, eligible to be taken away from us, but we have this many guys who are good enough to keep that hasn't happened in a while. And so none of those guys uh, will be on the opening day roster probably but all of them are going to be in the bigs at some point in 2021, and that's where a lot of the excitement comes from.
0: Ooh, well, I I want to get to to know the the rising stars. So maybe should we take a, a break before we get to the rising stars?
1: Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk next about uh you know who some some breakout younger guys could be for each teams and uh, do some record predictions. But first, got to tell you about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Now, football might be long over, but it's March. That means March Madness, and college basketball is in full swing, and you can bet on all the games at betonline.ag. They even cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV as well. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered. For all the news, scores, and odds, it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head over to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And so we, we want to get to you know, who the breakout players could be for both of these teams, the Orioles and the Rays. But, of course, if you're a fantasy baseball player, you're always looking for that breakout player. And for you fantasy baseball players out there, you now have a new resource to help give you an advantage in your leagues. That's Locked On Fantasy Baseball. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Season-long fantasy, dynasty leagues, daily fantasy sports, Locked On Fantasy Baseball covers it all. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts. So Ulysses, you know, we mentioned doing breakout players, but first, really quickly, you know, I just want to know, you know, these numbers are going to be very different for each of us. but do you have kind of a win range that you think, you know, as we get back to a 162 game season, what kind of win range do you, do you find the Rays in and, and what place do you think they finish in the division?
0: Well, I think uh, again, if we extrapolate the 2020 season for the Rays, I think they are like 115 <laughs> win teams. So obviously not that. I think uh, the lineup stayed the same. The bullpen stayed the same. Mo- mo- mostly uh, it's the rotation. It's a rotation. That's, that's the question mark. Uh, is this plan of sharing innings, of sharing effectiveness throughout the young guys and, and, and the old guys, is it going to work out? I think there is room to decrease the win total. So if I were a betting man on locked on bets, I would uh, probably think that the, the win range for the Rays for this season would be 88 to 92.
1: Where do you think that lands them? Do you think that's a second
0: place? Because that contend for first place? they could contend for first place because I don't see the Yankees doing that much different. Uh, Honestly, they have the same lineup. They have the same cast of characters, but their big question mark is also the rotation because they're going uh, the Rays way too, which is let's try the reclamation projects. Let's try the guys that uh, could have come back years. So they're doing the same thing as the Rays without the depth in the starting rotation that the Rays have. So could they contend for the AL East title? Uh, 100%, but I'm not going to crown them the AL East winner. I think 88 to 92 is a reasonable conservative, um, uh, you know, uh, win record. And uh, hopefully that turns into 94 and then they can take the AL East. But right now I'll, I'll I'll stick to 88 to to 92.
1: Yeah. For the Orioles, you know, it's, it's not a surprise to anyone listening that, you know, I'm going to pick them fifth in the AL East. I know they did finish fourth last year, a game ahead of the Red Sox, but over a 162-game season, I think we all know that even after trading Mookie Betts and with Chris Sale still hurt and losing Benintendi and Bradley, the Red Sox still have more talent on their roster right now, right now than the Orioles do, and I, I would think over 162. I don't think they'll be a playoff team, but they'll probably finish fourth. So the Orioles will finish fifth. You know, they won 47 games in 2018, 54 games in 2019, you know, last year was obviously a step up, but it was only 60 games. So I'll say they continue to go up like they've been doing. Uh, they'll be in between 60 and 70. That's that's my prediction and wins. Uh, my hope is, obviously, I'd love the number one pick because I know, you know, they're not going to win. But my hope is that, you know, there's something nice about avoiding 100 losses and they lost 100 in back-to-back full seasons. So if they can at least get to 63 and, and avoid the 100 losses, I think that just looks a lot better in the standings. So that, that's kind of obviously fifth place, but that's kind of what I'm thinking there.
0: 100%. It's always nice to, to, to not be in the triple digits there in the L column, but I will give you this. Um, I am 100% rooting for the Red Sox to be in, in the cellar dweller of the ALEs. So you have my vote to, 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 to know that I am pushing bad vibes to, to be in town. And I hope that they are the fifth place team.
1: Yeah. It would be funny if the Orioles back to back years in the middle of a huge rebuild beat out a Red Sox team. That was, yes. I mean, I don't know what they're doing. They're not rebuilding. I don't really know what they're doing, but nobody knows. Funny. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, I want to ask you because this is such a pertinent question to the Rays because we know every year the Rays are going to have, at the very least, like three guys who no one knows about who breaks out to not only be a contributor but you know shows up on the mound in the seventh inning of an ALCS game, which is seemingly what happened last year a lot. So, you know, I would ask about hitters, but you know, there's so many guys returning for the Rays, and obviously Wander Franco is kind of the guy who's going to come up, we would think at some point. So, I want to know about pitchers, and you and you talked about you know, the starters, but for kind of a breakout guy for the Rays this season, I kind of want to ask about the bullpen. Like, is there a next, you know, Ryan Thompson type kind of guy, you know, a a next, you know, Peter Fairbanks kind of guy where no one really knows his name until he's striking out the side. Like I said, in the eighth inning of the ALCS.
0: Uh, Well, that's a good question. That's a really good question because I've been uh, pining over Brian Moran I just love his delivery. I really do. And with the fact that lefties in the bullpen right now, that type of lefty, like the Aaron loop of 2020, um, there's not that guy right now with the race. Uh, Alvarado is with the Phillies. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, in, in the lefty, uh, um, you know, section in the bullpen. You have Ryan Sheriff who uh, had an okay season, a uh, great, great personal story. If you, if you have the chance uh, to read up on Ryan Sheriff, please do. But uh, I I think Brian Moran, I really want him. The, his story about being in the minor leagues for so long, facing the brother uh, in his MLB debut, it, it just spoke to me. So I'm, I'm really pulling for that guy, but I, 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 a guy that can definitely make an impact in 2021 is Shane McClanahan. And we saw a little bit of him in the playoffs and he was electric Maybe the command wasn't there, but maybe it was because the patch on, on, on the right sleeve said World Series 2020. And that was his <laughs> basically his like second, third outing. Uh, so it, it must have been a little bit difficult. I'm also a fan of his because uh, he is a USF alum, a University of South Florida, just like me and Kevin. Uh, so we are obviously pulling for him, uh, uh, Shane McClanahan, and he's done the bullpen bit. He is uh, looked to be a starter in the future. So the Rays trying to put piece here, a piece there, that could be a versatile guy with uh, that that you can be like, you know what? For the next month, you're in the bullpen. Oh, next month we need a starter. Shane, get up there and, and, and give us uh, four or five innings. So I think him uh, he would be key for for that breakout role in 2021.
1: Yeah, on the Orioles side, you know, a guy I already mentioned in Bruce Zimmerman, who's up for a rotation spot. I think a lot more people are going to know his name just from what he's done in, in spring training. You know, he's gone up from about 92 to 95 on his fastball. You know, his slider used to be kind of that pitch that he would throw over for a strike, which, you know, for most guys is their fastball. But for him, he had such good control of that pitch that it used to be the slider. Now it's more of like, I'm going to get you out with this pitch, you know, with a strikeout, right. which makes him so much better. But a guy I haven't mentioned, um, just because of how deep the Orioles are in the outfield, and we talked about the outfield. But it is Yusniel Diaz, who was the was really the top piece in the Manny Machado trade coming over from the Dodgers a couple of years ago. And he's been injured really since, you know, he's he hasn't been out. He's played most of the time, but he's missed, you know, time with different injuries since that trade in the middle of the 2018 season. And it's kind of hurt him because these other outfielders like Santander and DJ Stewart and Cedric Mullins, you know, guys, we talked about Ryan Mountcastle have all kind of passed him in development because he's been hurt for so long. Now right. he's healthy. You know, I don't think he'll be on the opening day roster just because of the outfield crunch. He'll be the starting left fielder in triple a most likely, but the second that an injury happens really to anyone uh, among the hitters for the Orioles, Eusneal Diaz is going to be the first guy to come to the big leagues. He is a solid defender, a corner outfielder with a huge arm, and he's got big time pop. He does swing and miss a lot, but when he gets into a ball, I mean, he hits some moon shots. right-handed hitter, who, you know, continues to just fall a little bit on prospect boards, but he's still the Orioles top 10 prospect. And, you know, we're kind of waiting to see, you know, the fruits of the labor of that Manny Machado trade. You know, Dean Kramer was the first guy to come up from that trade last year. He's one of the best talents the Orioles have had in this, you know, the last two decades. And so you want to see when you trade a guy like that, those prospects turn out good. And, you know, Dean Kramer, it looks good so far. Yusniel Diaz is that next guy. He was the headliner back then, and the Orioles want to see him be the headliner. And I think, you know, he'll get a good chance in the second half this year. And I think he could be the headliner guy.
0: A hundred percent, right? I mean, when you trade um, Machado, you're you're expecting to see that that revenue come back, that ROI, and and you know Snell come, is out. You're, you're expecting Patino. A lot of people are uh, craving for, for Patino, uh, you know, obviously because you want to see that return on that investment. But um, it, it can take some time. So obviously, it, it, it would be nice to, uh, as an Oriole fan, to, to see Jusnil uh, and 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 Kramer succeed. But I kind of want to ask you one more question because there are two guys that I think are great from from the Orioles um Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle, who probably has the top five best last name in all of MLB um how do you see those two guys uh for the Orioles part-time role starting role what what's going to happen with Mountcastle and Hayes
1: so I'll say Hayes will start most games in center he will split some time with Cedric Mullins Uh, but he'll play most games in center. He's got to stay healthy. He's had some injury issues in his career and not really, you know, things where you say he's injury prone, more like, you know, he took a fastball to the ribs last year and missed like half the season. Like you can't blame him at all for that. That's not, you know, a body that gets injured a lot. That's, you took a fastball to the ribs and that's going to put you on the IL. Um, For Mountcastle, he's going to be the everyday left fielder. He was great last year. You know, he he had an OPS almost 880, you know, on-base percentage, almost 435 games when he came up. He's still rookie eligible. I got to say between our two teams, I think potentially yes. the top two and AL rookie of the year between Randy Rosarena and Ryan Mountcastle could be a fun, fun battle with Wander Franco and Adley Rutschman waiting in the wings to battle for that spot next year. And so wow. it, this, yeah. could be, this could be a lot of fun between a couple outfielders on uh, on these two teams. And I think Ulysses that's got to be a perfect place to to end our crossover episode, <laughs> uh, as it could be a battle we watch all year between Roserena and Mount Castle. But uh, good to catch up more uh, about the Rays, and and we know these teams are going in different directions. But uh, it'll be fun to see them, frankly, to play 19 times again, play 162 games, and uh, you know the trop's not as bad as everybody says and uh that's right you know, baseball, uh, just, the trop.
0: say it louder for for people in the back that don't, that don't believe us it's, hey. it's it's the most beautiful warehouse in all of the world that you want to see baseball okay this is the truth there you go